0: Venturex Studios. It's J.P.,
1: Kathy, and the crew. crew. And welcome to J.P., Kathy, and the crew. I hope you are having a wonderful, wonderful day, a blessed day, a beautiful day, if you will. Um, Midweek here, almost through the week. Um, Lots to talk about today. We're going to go ahead and start the show off with our very own doctor be good um ask doctor be good of the ask doctor be good show and um then we've got some other things to talk about del rio citizens themselves speak out about the border patrol so um what are their thoughts on media coverage what are their thoughts on the border control that are, are the border patrol members who are in their town right now um lots to talk about r kelly we've um got a verdict um it seems like has that trial has that thing been going on forever um, anyways, well, I want to talk about that, get your thoughts on that. We are trying to get um, Senator Angela Paxton, who is in special session in Austin, on the show today. Depending on her meeting schedule, she's going to try to hop on here at the end of the show. So if not, she'll be on next week with an update um, regarding redistricting and some of the things going on in Austin, this special ses- session. And somebody who knows about Austin and the special session and education and knows about all the different ISDs around town, Dr. Good, how are you this morning? Oh, we don't have audio on her. Hold on, hold on one second, Dr. Good, we don't have audio How's on that? There you are. Now we can hear you. Excellent. How are you okay. this morning?
0: So, uh, beautiful sunset, sunrise this morning. It reminded me of being at the lake.
1: Oh, so I I'm love like, it. Whoa. Well, and, so, and happy um, anniversary. Um, I'm thinking about well, your lake pictures you. and some pictures that I saw from last night. Um, 42 years for you and your lovely husband, Tom. That's right. 42. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) I know. Y'all got married in um, junior high.
0: (laughs) Well, we were 21 and 23. So, um, you know, I I sort of, I tell, I, I tell people, I sort of fudged a little bit when I was a teacher. I used to tell my students and my own kids, I said, marry late, have kids late, you know, get to know yourself. Now I'm glad I married early and had kids Kids early, early. (laughs) so that I can enjoy the grandkids, so uh, I'm not sure about that advice, but anyway speaking about (laughs) unbelievable things you know, we've (sighs) heard you've heard schools and over time, we've heard that we really should get rid of in-house and out-of-school suspensions, right? Yes, because and, and just—and if you'll
1: describe that, because to, to those of us who are educators or anybody who has gone through in-school suspension back in the day, um, tell us what what that means. What's the difference? Um, because when you sent me this story, I—I I was like, what, "Am I reading that right?"
0: So an in-house. When a kid misbehaved, let's say that had a bad day, called the teacher a bad word, and uh, didn't immediately apologize. because a lot of teachers, you know, if you apologize and say, gosh, I'm having a bad day, I apologize, it just slipped out. Some teachers will overlook that, but others won't. Right. So those teachers that don't overlook that, or maybe it's not the first time, right? It's the third time. Yes. And uh, so we we send them to in-house suspension for a day to... um, Get fixed, right? Uh, actually, it's just to have a consequence, right? That's that's what the teachers want is a consequence for behavior. Yes. And then if um, if that child continues with poor behavior, then it might lead to an out of school suspension. You know, maybe okay. they've had a couple of in school suspensions. They've had meetings with the parents, and so the child then um, is in a bullying situation or gets in a fight and the, the school decides that the child needs a three-day suspension. Right. And so those are very normal parts of school that have been going on for generations. Right. Now, there's there's been a lot of talk in the last 20 years, though, of, around restorative practice and social justice and how we need to have a different type of discipline system because, frankly, for a lot of our kids, that in-house and out-of-school suspension is a vacation. It is not... Uh, a place where they take their behavior seriously and, right. and try to think about how they're going to do better. And right. So, you hear
1: nowadays about, you know, okay, so somebody's parents work, even if you're, you know, your parents don't work in an office and because of the pandemic, they're working from home. Now they're usually isolated in another part of the house. So what is the kid doing? The kid's sleeping in grabbing some donuts at 10 o'clock in the morning and gaming all day. That's not a, that's not a rough life, you know? That's, <laughs> that's right. So, you know, from a teacher's standpoint, at least he's
0: not in my hair for three yes, days. Yes, right. And so that's why I like uh, out-of-school suspensions because at least it gives me a vacation from that behavior of that kid for three days. Right. But really, it's not an effective behavior most times. And so there have been lots of different techniques. You've heard me talk about restorative practice yes, before. we've been doing love it restorative practice.
1: Love it. Love it. Love it.
0: And and really, restorative practice. Is, if I can read the definition, restorative practice is a social science that studies how to improve and repair relationships between people and communities. And that, I mean, that that sounds good. It is good. And it works. But here's what I'll tell you. Having done it for seven years in our district, it takes a lot of training. Yes. It
1: takes time. And did I mention training? Yeah, and, so, and did I mention um, training again? Well, you can't because, just you can't just throw anybody in there. I mean, you it, it's one. I remember what, it was usually like a, somebody who had a, a counselor's background as well as you know a certified teacher, or somebody who was like the super disciplined coach. Who who knew how to handle uh, vol- potentially volatile physical situations, yes. emotional breakdowns? It's not like oh, just go in there and you can read your book and you can do a crossword puzzle and it's all good. That's not how it is. Right.
0: So in DIsD last year, there was a principal who saw that most of the kids being set to in house and out of school suspension were black or brown. Okay. And that bothered him. He is an African-American principal. And he wanted to come up with an alternative solution. So he and his assistant principal came up with this idea of a reset center, right? A center where the kids can be sent to to reset their brains, right? And, and he has a protocol in there. The, the chairs are in a circle. Uh, somebody in there, an adult is trained to first of all, handle the volatile child because it is not unusual for a child to be very angry um, when they come into the reset center as they would in house suspension, right? Uh, they they uh, don't feel it's fair. They got caught fighting or whatever caused the anger. Uh, it, they're still angry. And so he has mindfulness uh, tools and resources and I hate to say games in there, but it's a way of cooling down the brain.
1: I okay. remember going
0: to dr. Dr. Ruby Payne. you may have heard of her very, very famous um, school now uh, trainer, and she would tell us that when you get a very angry, especially angry male in your office, you give them a tennis ball. And you just ask them to, to bounce the tennis ball for a few minutes. Just bounce the tennis. Oh That's wow, interesting. Okay, okay. And then after after bouncing the ball for five minutes, and and just focusing on that and calming oneself down, then the usually the assistant principal would then say, "Tell me your story." But if but what we usually do in schools is to bring that angry kid in and say, "What happened? Tell me what happened." Right. And so that kid's brain is it's just everywhere right it's right they it, it can't focus on the story and so we we do know that there are better practices around to re- uh, direct okay. that anger and, and, and so forth so this principal had a lot of luck uh, with the, the students that he had coming in he would bring them in the reset circle they would use mindfulness tools they would uh, talk, uh, do social-emotional strategies, and, and let the child get the story out. And and again, you've heard me talk, and I've done podcasts, on the void that many of our kids come with. You know, 75% right. of the African-American population, um, the kids are born into single-parent homes. And when dad is missing, um, that's a void. And right. so they fill it with other things, sometimes not positive things. So um, I... I uh, he had so much good luck with it that Dallas ISD who had already been toying with the idea of doing away with in-house and out-of-school suspension went ahead and pulled the, the, the lever on that and said, we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to put recess, reset centers into our middle school and high school. And so they've done that and it's a little too early to really get a clear picture, but I did reach out to one of the master teachers that I've, Uh, used on the podcast before right she's at a middle school and she says it's a hot mess
1: (laughs) okay it's just not working out
0: the kids well what happened was the kids heard no more in-house suspension no more out-of-school suspension and they are off the chain they are taking advantage of it yeah unfortunately she said that she's never heard kids you know Testing out teachers so much, getting up and walking oh, around, walking gosh. to school. Mm. And, and again, we want this to work. I Please know that I'm going to tell you that it can work, but it needs to be brought in with training yes. um, and ongoing training. And so um, there's not been time to have a whole lot of training to help Teachers manage this kind of behavior. Well, and, and especially, so,
1: especially now, mm-hmm. Doctor Good. Think about you know, and, and you, you know, you were your retired superintendent now, but when you were superintendent, that's when the pandemic started, and there's been so much chaos. There is so much that you have to assimilate. If you're a student, if you're a parent, if you're a teacher, if you're mm-hmm. admin, whatever the case may be, a program like this where I can see on the merits and and if you've got the right people in place and you've got the right training, I think it's one of those things you phase in, you tell kids, you know, um, starting the, You know 20 whatever whatever school year this is going to be the option here is going to be and then and i i would even have like um some like a a student come in with um and somebody who's going to be in this leadership role and walk through do like an hour-long assembly where the kids have to be quiet as all get out and say this is what you'll be doing on a regular basis here's how you're going to be acclimated back into the classroom so they see wait a second Maybe I shouldn't call the teacher the B word today because then I'm going to have to go through all this kind of counseling kind of stuff and I'm going to everybody's going to be checking into my head and into my home life and what's that all about that's none of their business. Maybe yeah. I won't take advantage of this because kids are, well, kids are coming back. What's the thing we talked about last week? I keep forgetting what it's called, where they go into the bathroom, and I know it's happened in schools around here, when yeah. they rip stuff off, and t- rip it's famous TikTok. on TikTok, yeah. and so they're, they're destroying bathrooms. They're taking, like, soap dispensers and paper towel dispensers, you know, putting them in their backpacks, waving, making a viral TikTok video. Kids are coming back to school different. They just are.
0: Well, yeah, that's, when one thinks of the big picture, the fact that the year before last year, they were home, they were home the second semester last year, half of them were home. So a lot of kids were home for a year and a half and now they're back. They're, they're, especially if they were middle school and high school where they were most impacted socially and emotionally. Right. It's a mess. It is a hot mess. And so to, and, and oh, let me also say that our teachers then had their own issues. And so it's like a perfect storm, right? right. We have yes. um, kids who haven't been in school a while. We have teachers who wanted to come back to school, but were worried about COVID and had all those anxieties. Many decided not to come back to school. Matter of fact, on my show uh, Sunday, we'll be talking about
1: not only this, but about the impact it's having on uh, teacher retention. And so, oh, I can't um, wait to hear about that. Yeah, that we, I'm very anxious to hear. I'm assuming on Sunday you'll have numbers and statistics and yeah. be talking real live. Yeah. Here's what we're dealing with. Yeah, we okay. already
0: have articles coming in about really they're having to poach from central office to cover classes because districts, <sighs> especially your bigger districts with your bigger vacancies, they just <sighs> they, they can't find, you know. They can't find enough teachers. You have teachers mm. quitting left and right. Just and this was this is outside of Dallas, you know, not the reset center issue. But the my, my master teacher that I talked to said she's got teachers who, um, you know, are already talking about quitting 'cause this is it's just such a hostile environment mm. as far as what's created. And this is very poor timing as far as um, you know, making sure that uh, our teachers um, uh, you know, feel like they're being heard and and understood right so goodness gracious we um we need to do a lot more for our teachers and for our kids and and a lot of that involves sitting down and talking together and and figuring this out without making it a hammer right without saying this is what we're going to do gonna um, and and i'm wondering how many teachers were involved in the decision do away with in-house and, and uh,
1: out-of-school. That's funny when, when you when you sent the text and we were doing pre-production. Um, you know, questions we, we always you know JP and I always like to know ahead of time what you're going to talk about. We're, you know, we're, in, we're we're intrigued and because we're both still in the world of education, so to speak, that we were we always were wondering what you're talking about next. But the first thing I thought was. And again, former teacher, so I think of this because, you know, we had a zero. It was big. The buzzwords back in the early 90s when I taught through the late 90s, zero tolerance. I know, you know, you've heard zero tolerance a bajillion times in your career. Well, I thought right away when you when you first said what you were talking about, I thought, how many teachers were consulted on this? I just thought of all the teachers who got this memo went, you're kidding me. Why didn't somebody ask me?
0: Except maybe it had a little
1: word in front of it. <laughs> quite possibly, if they were in their office away from students' ears.
0: <laughs> yeah, as a matter of fact, it's funny you should say. Um, the the teacher I was talking to said one of her big. They, they have three counselors at their school. Right. They had one vacancy. One counselor just quit because it's just gotten so out of hand that uh, they just couldn't couldn't handle it. All. And so you know it it just. And 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 yet we're still testing kids. We're still expecting schools to do you know well by kids, and yeah, you know, many schools now with ninety percent uh, attendance, so they're losing money. And the um, the message coming out of Austin to EA, Texas Education Agency, is not necessarily as um, sympathetic as it was uh, a year or two ago. And yep. so. You know, we're we're in our own special crisis year here, and I think that needs to be understood. We, we're not over COVID by any means. No, as far no, no. no. As recovery. Our teachers recovering from it. Our kids recovering. Our parents recovering. And our schools recovering. We're just right. we're we're a different stage of COVID
1: recovery, and it's still not a pretty stage. Right. it You know, there again, there are so many unknowns you're dealing with. And, and you talk about this on your show on a weekly basis. It, you know, it's interesting. Like we have Dr. Clothier on every, um, the beginning of every week. And, you know, and he's, he, the the pre-production meetings with him are now, well, we're going to be talking this aspect of COVID or, you know, whatever the case is, we try to throw in, he tries to throw in something else like flu season or how to get rid of type 2 diabetes or different things like this. But the reality is until we learn to live with COVID, because it's around to stay. I know everybody's, you know, I mean, there's folks out there who are saying, oh, if everybody gets vaccinated, we'll never see COVID again. COVID's like the flu. You're, to a large degree, we're going to have to learn how to deal with it. I've got a dear friend of mine oh. who, she's, she's got COVID for the second time around. And she thought she had oh. built her immunity up, you know. And, I've, and this is, so this is now my third friend. Um, two of them were vaccinated, but my third friend with COVID for the second time. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, so again, you, you don't we don't know what's around the corner with COVID. We've got to learn to live with it. In in the workplace, in the school place, especially school with kids, because you're talking the health of our kids, and they are our most important resource, that's where we're really having to seriously learn how to deal with, um, with, with COVID. And, and we're still in that process. Anybody who says, oh, we've got this, No, you don't. Then, you know, next week 20 of your kids are out or 10 of your teachers are out. You you just don't know. And I, I guess any kind of major drastic, we've already had major drastic changes because of the pandemic. Any other major drastic changes, especially in behavior, especially when you have kids dealing with all these unknowns and maybe you've got a kid at home who's, you know, they're about to be, you know, lose their home or about to be evicted or about to foreclose on their home you know or maybe they've lost one of their parents or somebody close to them a grandparent or something to covid these are real life problems so why go and make sweeping changes without i don't know i guess maybe it, the lack of a a longer transitioning period is what what tells me maybe folks shouldn't jump on something like this so quickly i'm not saying that we shouldn't look at all options I don't know. What do you think about that length of a transition period so you don't have well, the kids taking advantage of it?
0: Have, having been in the school and having been principal several times, I will tell you that adults are hard nuts to crack when it comes to getting them to change what? their behavior <laughs> enough to have an impact on student behavior. Right. And, and and you know I've written articles about that. It's 100% of kid issues are caused by some adult somewhere in their life. Yep. That's so, but, so true. So, you know, needing to have the adult slow down and think it through and say, you know, how can we implement something as radical? Because that is radical. When you tell a 154,000 student school system with 20,000 teachers that there's no more in-house and out of school suspension and that you're going to replace it with a reset center that a principal started last, you know, the the spring semester of last year, that's hard. That's a hard sell. Right. right? Without lots and lots of um, resources and training and thought around it. Right? And, right. and I don't know that there was time to do that. At least I'm yeah. not getting the impression yeah. that's, there was time to do that. And so now, starting with your your toughest group, which is, of course, your middle school group oh, and yeah. high school group. Yeah. So I will, I'll do a little bit more research because I'm wondering then if they're not aligned that in elementary, for example, yes, the kids are smaller, but they can be quite volatile as well. Oh, you know, yeah. Those, oh, those yeah. Fifth so uh, let me do a little research. And by the time I do the show, maybe I'll have even more
1: to. Uh, to say maybe what they could have done differently. Yeah, I I, I would definitely I, I'd be interested in that. I know um, you've you've got uh, parents, uh, teachers. I mean, th- this is again, this is this is a big a big thing to tackle. I would love to hear numbers for um, elementary schools. And, and again, I just think when when you're a teacher, you need every single arrow in your quiver that that there is possible. And if you're going to have yeah. to alternate and switch one of those out. Boy, you better you you better really have a good plan, and it already be, better be in place and solid. Um, you, you don't want kids yep. to take advantage of it. And and you know this, you know you the majority of the kids who go to school are great, but there are some kids who are always trying to outsmart the system. How can I get away with this? How can I get away with that? Um, and and so. What do you do if, if one of your tools has changed drastically? So, uh, yeah, big, lots of big questions. So, yeah. So when can people catch you um, on the JPK Broadcasting Network?
0: Eight o'clock Sunday. The broadcast is on six o'clock on Thursdays in case you missed it. But uh, hopefully we'll see. you And it's a new uh, 30 minute show. Um, yes. If I slow JP down, we're supposed to do that wellness show. But oh, I can't uh, wait for he that. I know he, he's a
1: traveling man right now. Well you're traveling with him some, so you know his his schedule well, yeah. is we're crazy. Going to, uh, we're going to McAllen, matter of fact, this uh this oh, week. Last week we
0: were good. in Houston. This week
1: we're going to South Texas. So yes. Love uh, it. Necesitan alguien que hable español. There you go. What she just said. Okay. Well thank <laughs> you, Doctor Good. All All have right. a great week and we'll see you soon. Thank you so much. Um you know, good information, uh, uh, you know it, it's good to have this and be proactive on it, especially if you've got a kid who's who's had situations with suspensions um, in school, out of school, whatever the case may be. Um, this is a drastic change, so I'm really anxious to hear what all comes down after this. Um, let's talk about um, oh my goodness gracious, we've got we've got so much to talk about. Let's go ahead and talk about the um, R. Kelly verdict. Um, How long, can somebody help me with this? How long has this been going on? Um, He, uh, R. Kelly has been, and he's, y'all know he's the, I believe I can fly. I'll spare you from my singing this morning. Oh, and by the way, happy National Coffee Day okay and this is now my son I, I think most of y'all know from the crew that my son is working at a boba tea place um, started this summer and is working through the school year and so the nights he works until close he'll be very nice if if mom's got a show the next morning he brings me um, an unsweet green tea so um, I don't have coffee this morning I did have a sip of coffee um super early this morning oh goodness probably about three hours ago at this point um, had a sip of some coffee so I have had my coffee coffee for National Coffee Day. But anyways, happy National Coffee Day. And then I'm wondering, happy National Coffee Day. Is that just for a good old-fashioned cup of regular black coffee with nothing in it? Or does it extend to like the 9,000 coffee drinks that are out there and available? I'd I'd be anxious to hear about that. Um, Anyways, happy National Coffee Day. I know most of y'all start off the day with a a good cup of joe. And where did that saying come from? Um, I'm, you know, I'm late to the coffee drinking scene. I've always loved the smell of coffee. Um... But then I did not start drinking coffee in the morning until our dear friend JP um, hooked me up and said, hey, you want to come do um, a radio show with me at 6 a.m. in the morning in Irving? And I was like, okay, why not? I learned to drink coffee very quickly then. Um, but uh, so anyways, happy Happy National Coffee Day and uh, just go out there, have a cup of decaf if you can't do the caffeine and enjoy. Um, okay, so I want to talk about the Texas border Border Patrol, because um, came across uh, earlier today a really interesting article. Um, actually, a member of the crew had sent this to me because they knew that we were talking about this, and this was an area of um, concern for us here um, on the show. Um, the The Border Patrol um, on mounted horses on um, uh, on the ones who ride the horses on the border. So we want to talk about that because these are actually. The citizens of Del Rio. So, people who live, work, raise their families there, talking about the Border Patrol. And anyway, so we're going to talk about that in a little while. But, big, 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 big news um, yesterday R. Kelly was found guilty of racketeering and sex crimes, but. His representative, Danny Davis, does not think he's beyond redemption. And he goes on to say the 54-year-old I Believe I Can Fly singer, like I said, I've got the song going in my head now on a loop, but I will will spare you that this morning. Um, uh, The singer was found guilty on Monday of all nine counts in his racketeering and sex trafficking case. He faces 10 years to life in prison. Thoughts on the verdict I, I, or on the um, sentencing, I would imagine they're going to go closer to the life sentence versus the 10 years. That's that's just my guess on that. And, he, and you know, he's 54 already. So I, I think he's looking at my guess would be the sentencing phase will will be will be, um, you know, fairly harsh. As it should be, you know, he was found guilty on every single count. Um, The verdict, the guilty verdict, immediately sparked questions about the future of Kelly's celebrated body of work, and reignited debates over whether art and artist can be separated from the public. And this is interesting because there's a number of artists um, out there. Thinking of one in particular, Um, well, I'm thinking of Michael Jackson. He, He came to mind because of this phenomenal music and then you know this this incredible body of work but then once people started hearing the accusations of you know jesus juice and possible molestation and neverland is neverland is that the name of his place i think um you know and and then you know went on to die basically getting the um oh the stuff that they give you when when they put you to sleep for surgery so um have you been able to separate that in that because that's been something for years that we we've heard of and dealt with, and now they look at can his his music, and, and I mean let's give credit where credit is due, beautiful singing voice, just amazing singing voice. That the song that they mentioned, I believe I can fly, is a beautiful, beautiful song. But can you separate that from the artist when you know the artist? had all these things that were truly going on. Um, and once they're found guilty, which he, you know, obviously he was found guilty. How does that work? So um, for his part, Davis um, believes that there could be a future for the star in Chicago. And he's a Democrat out of, out of Illinois. This, uh, this guy, Davis is, um, he said, as an artist, one who's gifted, I think he'll be welcomed back into Chicago as a person who can be redeemed. The politician told TMZ, I'm a big believer in what is called second chances. When uh, he then made a note of the Second Chance Act, which he championed in 2007, the, the act helps to provide opportunities for jobs, housing and more for, for former inmates. Um, Um, I really will it really will all depend upon him Davis said he said when asked what he'd tell Kelly if the opportunity uh, presented itself try and find peace with the maker and peace with himself and reconcile with the universe for the acts that he may have committed well they're saying he committed them now so not may have committed these these are he has been found guilty of this Um, Kelly was found guilty on one count of racketeering including 14 underlying acts of sexual exploitation of a child, kidnapping, bribery, and sex trafficking charges. Charges went back more than two decades. Kelly was also charged with eight violations of the Mann Act, which makes it illegal to transport anyone across state lines for any, and I'm quoting this, immoral purpose, and that's in the Mann Act. He has denied any wrongdoing. He will be sentenced on Wednesday, May 4th of 2022 and faces a mandatory minimum sentence of 10 years in prison, but could receive up to a life sentence. I am, um, well, let's kind of dissect this a little bit. I, my, my prediction would be, if I were a betting person, I would say, I bet he's gonna get the book thrown at him when it comes to sentencing. I just think, so you look at, I mean, these, it's not an isolated instance, um, it's, it's multiple instances. And within those multiple instances, some of those included all of the lists that I just read with each of those people so you know there was you know bringing somebody across state lines there's you know all all of the different components of that so it's um this is not a slap on the hand and we're this this particular individual who is a um uh who is a um representative out of out of the uh chicago illinois area it sounds like i know he's from illinois i know he's a representative from there he is saying that and i'd love to hear what the crew has to say um 26 years in law enforcement working many nights and only drank two cups of coffee two cups of coffee total huh well there you go and again thank you for your service fred nort um so i look at when he was talking about redemption and you know somebody coming back into society and again I don't know when he's going to come back into society you know by the time I would imagine this sentence comes around he'll be um, he'll have a um, he'll be at least 55 or 56 by the time he's he he starts his prison sentence so then that puts you in your mid-60s at the earliest that you could get out and I just I think with all of these counts I just can't imagine that that it would, it would be less than a year per offense. I, 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 I see him getting much more than, than 10 years. And I think when he's talking about the thing about the second chances, I get that. I think that's for somebody who maybe, you know, had gone into jail, had been caught selling drugs or something like that, and they want to come out and they want to be able to have a job and a family and, you know, get get right with God, as I like to say, and, and get back in there and have a second chance at, at redeeming themselves at life. This is a this is a whole different situation, and I also I, I'm curious. Can you listen to? I haven't listened to his music since I started hearing these accusations for years. Um, would I would not spend money to download a song. Um, I would not buy a do, do people. I listen to cds anymore anyways if that if that's a thing i wouldn't buy a cd you know i i do all mine through apple music um but i wouldn't download any of his things i wouldn't click on anything i wouldn't go to a video because in my mind i i can't separate him from his music um i I can't um that's just my personal thoughts so um i think it'll be interesting And, and then my question is does anybody know and i wish jp um i wish i could ping him for this question i'm wondering why um why is the sentencing phase why is it not until may of 2022 why i mean can they not get that done before the end of the year can they not get that done um right after the first of the year is that a scheduling thing is it just so backed up the court system anyways lots of lots of questions on that um let's see oh and then okay well and and this is going to be a good transition because i'm going to read your question about border control she said can someone explain to me why border patrol is being terminated terminated for actually doing their job but military and military are receiving dishonorary discharge for refusing an inter- air- experimental thank you say that 10 times fast injection but the idiots who create the fiasco in afghanistan are still employed the head of the joint chiefs uh, committed treason and is still employed and and those are questions that i think a lot of americans have um i want to read this particular article because this really really spoke to me let me switch over to this tab real quick um yeah let me this is going to take a second to pull up take a sip of my green tea um dog on it i just pulled up the same article hold on a second guys um ah here we go this article really spoke to me because um lots of us especially here in the state of texas for one thing biden get down to the doggone border in texas i am imploring you i am i am begging you i have heard and somebody correct me if i'm wrong on this um that, that Biden, his entire time, and he is, he, he is a lifelong career politician. He is. It is what it is. That's how he's made his money. That's how he supported his family and then some. Um, has never been down to the border. If I am wrong, I will stay corrected, and I will correct myself on our next show. But to my knowledge and what I've done, the, the digging I've done, he has not been to the border. Um, and I'm sitting here thinking, okay, well, he, you know, he was a representative a senator from another state that isn't anywhere near texas eh, i get it maybe i really don't because i feel like if if there's ever a crisis anywhere and you're somebody who is voting heck when i was um when i was a county commissioner and when you're a county commissioner i was a collin county commissioner my precinct was precinct four you had certain areas so i had you know the part of plano that was already developed out i had a part of north Dallas, it was already developed. You know, concrete roads are already there, street lights, things like that. But I remember issues coming up where they were talking about pouring asphalt on gravel roads in a rural part of the county. It wasn't the part of the county that I represented or that voted on to pick, to choose me to represent them. It was another part of the county. But because I was one of the five people on commissioner's court who was casting a vote on that. That had to do with people who lived in in the county that I represented, had to do with their taxpayer dollars. I went out and I got in um, trucks from you know the department who was overseeing that and their experts, um, the experts in Collin County on that took me out there, showed it to me, talked to me about it. I talked to people who had kids who caught school buses and you know their concerns with either doing asphalt on a road or not. <clears throat> My point in saying that is. If you're a part of a governing body and you are making decisions that are life-altering, potentially life-altering to those citizens who you represent, you need, to, you need to get out there and look at that. And then I think, okay, well, if he didn't, if he never went and visited the border when he was, what, a senator, um, then he was vice president for eight years. And during the Obama administration, which, ironically, you had Obama pushing to build a wall, you had Nancy Pelosi giving everybody all her minions a thumbs up to support money for a wall and for securing the southern border, especially the portion that's in Texas. Why didn't he go walk boots on the ground it, during any of that time? Um you know, fly Air Force Two out here as vice president, and, and and walk and see what see what's going on, and now as president, you know Kamala Harris. I think she went somewhere close-ish, and I'm using air quotes, kind of close-ish to the border, and um, I'm I'm baffled. I'm just absolutely baffled by the lack of attention to what truly is now they've said before oh there's a humanitarian crisis blah 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 when Trump was in office but now it's not a humanitarian crisis when we have so so many people's lives being impacted um so this spoke to me because the Del Rio residents they're the ones I'm like okay if I'm going to listen to somebody I want to hear from them because they're the ones who are working raising a family living. This is their reality. So here's what they had to say. And this came out about three hours ago. Um, Del Rio residents respond to viral border patrol images taken near their community. Locals, and again, I'm really going to give them more credibility than anybody else, because this is their life. This is their backyard. Um, Locals in Del Rio, Texas, who spoke with Fox News, overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly, Supported Border Patrol despite recent viral images from their community that sparked criticism and an internal investigation. Here's what one resident said, longtime resident, it brought tears to my eyes. These men are giving their lives, leaving their families to come here and secure us. I'm personally very thankful. That resident's wife added, We've been here for 54 years. I've watched when there was a multitude of people coming, um, their kindness to them, they're not bad people, they're wonderful people. Images of border patrol agents on horseback catching Haitian migrants in Del Rio recently went viral. The agents were falsely accused of whipping the migrants. We back them completely, the woman said. We we say don't lie about them. Please don't lie about them. This is another woman who lives in Del Rio. Diane, who lives right on the border, told Fox News, the Border Patrol are phenomenal. In response to the photos, President Biden said it was horrible, and these are quotes from him, horrible, outrageous, and these people would pay Horse patrols were temporarily suspended while the Department of Homeland Security investigates the incident. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki was asked Monday whether new information released contrasting the narrative that migrants were whipped changed anything. She replied, I don't think anyone could look at those photos and think that was an appropriate action. I'm about to talk about my thoughts on this in just a second and would love to know the crew's thoughts as well. I've got our social media up and running. Um, At first I thought, oh my gosh, oh my God, what are they doing? One resident told Fox News. Actually, when I saw the whole video, it wasn't intentional, they were just doing their job. Another resident said, they're doing their best and that's a direct quote. In contrast, one man told Fox, the pictures seemed inhumane and said it seemed as if border patrol agents were chasing people like sheep. That was the only negative comment. But Jose Carlos, a local business owner, told Fox, what they're doing is putting just images, and when you see the video, they're trying to get the people not to cross back anymore. They have a very hard job to do, Carlos, who has friends and family in the Border Patrol said. I think I think they need to get a little bit more credit for what they do. Um, I agree with the folks who have, who live in Del Rio, who are backing Border Patrol. I'll go on the record. I 110% agree with them. I'm not there. I haven't been boots on the ground. I'm also not the president or the vice president of the United States. Um, I'm not a congressman. Um, or United States Senator who needs to get down there and see what is truly going on before you make these these horrid accusations about, oh, we're going back to the time of slavery and things of this nature. One of the things I did research into, and I apologize, I don't know, I think it's one of the reins, I don't know the exact term for what they use, but okay, if and, and even if you're not somebody who's ridden horses or who's, who has been around horses, you know that these are beautiful, majestic creatures of God. They're amazing. These people who are on these horses, first of all, a horse, even a well-trained horse like these are, I mean, they're just, these animals are amazing. They spook. If you go up to them, you know, there's a, there's a possibility if, you know, if you go up and you're not the one riding them and controlling that horse – as a trained person who knows what they're doing, you could go up, you could get um, kicked with a rear leg, you could get nudged, the horse could get confused or disoriented, and the horse could roll, hurting the person on the horse, hurting the horse itself, hurting anybody near, near that horse, if it were to, to drop and roll because it's disoriented because of too many people getting around it. So what these border patrolmen are doing is they're taking the um this little kind of leather strip thing and they're doing these circle things and what that's to do is to keep create oh here we go liberals i'm i'm going to use one of your words against you right now i guess it's again maybe against you i'm going to use the word safe space right now basically they're creating a safe space a a a a a barrier so the so the horse doesn't have people around it who the horse could accidentally hurt or the horse like i said could get disoriented if you've got too many people coming at these horses the horse can get disoriented and then all of a sudden you've got a potential tragedy for the horse and the person on the horse and anybody in that vicinity who were were to be um, involved in an accident like that so I think it is so irresponsible, and I get it. I get it. I know R's and D's. I know we like to throw little jabs. Heck, I just did with the word safe space. It is what it is. Okay, but when you use terminology recklessly and you you say that these Border Patrol agents are out there and they are, um, they are you know, beating people and whipping people like the days of slaves, you're bringing so many negative things up in your First of all, it's a misrepresentation. That is not what these people are doing. They are trying to create a safe amount of distance so there is not some kind of a tragic accident. And I don't know how you do that with 10,000 people. I think of, um, like, I I think of um, concerts that I've gone to over the years. Um, and back in the day, like, when mosh pits were a thing, and I think of, like, gosh, how that must have been so hard to be, like, the police officers working those concerts or the... Um, uh, the folks, uh, the the security detail, because I mean, you know, you've got all these drunk people, and everybody's like, you know, body surfing and whatnot, and and I think of what what a potential disaster and and just an accident waiting to happen is there. Of course, I didn't think that was in my when I was in my twenties or thirties. As, as somebody in their fifties, I think about that all the time now. But um, with all all of these people around these horses, and you can't go in there with a, with a with a you know patrol car. Um, horses are the only way to get around a situation like that. So um, I just think of how irresponsible it is to report something that's false. I mean, you know, these people, again, these are people who when the rest of us are at home drinking a cup of coffee, hanging out, griping on social media, these people are putting their life and limit risk they just are it's just like our first responders it's like our men and women in blue and it's like our firefighters our emts all those folks who whenever there is trouble they are there we're back in our air-conditioned home griping on social media um so god bless these border patrol folks on these horses and you know i I just you know one of the prayers that myself and some friends of mine have been praying on a regular basis is we're praying for those specific people because i can't even imagine what kind of conditions they're working in how hard this must be so good good for fox news for going and sending people out to talk to the actual citizens who live work raised their family, have raised their family there, have retired there, whatever the case may be, um, own businesses there, um, good for them for trying to get the truth out. And um, I'll tell you, I love there's a social media post going around, and it shows some of these Border Patrol agents on these unbelievably beautiful horses. And I think that it um, it is... Uh, you know, I, the the picture is just just all you know awe inspiring, and I, I God bless these people. I think they're doing a fantastic job. The citizens of Del Rio have spoken, and overwhelmingly, they're saying, "Hey, thank you. We appreciate you." You know, are we ever going to get back to a place? Who was it like Walter Cronkite? You know, who you knew if he said something you know, on the 6 o'clock news or 10 o'clock news or 7 a.m. news, whatever time, there there were people who you knew you could take what they said. These were true reporters, journalists. Um, if you're just out there say saying what your opinion is or trying to push a headline, and especially one that has to do with real human beings, If you're trying to push an agenda as somebody who calls yourself a reporter um, or a journalist shame on you because then at the end of the day you're just you're just entertainment like jp and i are you know we try to get factual things out there but a lot of times jp and i are just giving you our opinion but we tell you that we're like this is my opinion you know we'd love to know yours so my goodness when human lives are involved let's try to get it right and, and, I'm, and I'm saying this to our current administration, let's just, let's try to get this right. Um, uh, well, I, I, so, okay, I know time, Brett's looking at me like, the music's about to start playing, Kathy. Um, I just, I, I know I'm on my soapbox, but but it is what it is. Um, state Fair of Texas is still open. So get out there and enjoy the State Fair. We love all the pictures that the crew are sending to us from um, from their visits to the State Fair of Texas. Looks like everybody's having a great time. I still need to talk to somebody who's tried the i think it's like gumbo balls or something brett do you remember what those were called it's the one it's the one that won two awards it's it, after my fletcher's corny dog um that's what i'm going for next and i but i haven't heard from anybody about the food and about that food in particular because that sounds like kind of that's one of the hot items out there and also we're looking for what is the butter sculpture this year um somebody from the crew please tell us what the butter sculpture is all right y'all have a blessed day um love y'all uh praying for everybody's health and safety um lisa who is a co-host um with me of heart and soul of texas women has pneumonia um was uh, at the hospital yesterday for um, an iv so please pray for her um she she really would appreciate your prayers Y'all have a wonderful day. On Friday, we have Mallory Fuller, who is our current Miss Texas in studio. We also have dear friends of the crew, Brandy Braley and Faye Curtis coming in. October 1st, we're kicking off Breast Cancer Awareness, and these ladies are gonna talk to you about your health and also about um, how to get involved with some of the fun fun fundraisers that they are doing to raise money for um uh, women who are suffering from breast cancer so anyways y'all have a great day love y'all we will see y'all soon tomorrow stay tuned for the lawyer show and then we'll be back on again friday morning like i said big show and then this pink cloud they've got a really really um, good organization about people who go into rehab or facilities to overcome an addiction who takes care of their dogs who takes care of their dogs. So we're going to be talking about that on Friday with Kelly Reverb and This Pink Cloud. And then Saturday morning, Kilroy's Conversation. Great show there. Come and take it. That's a little hint. And then again, we start with uh, Dr. Be Good on Sunday morning at 8. Y'all have a blessed one. See you soon. Bye-bye.